0: It's Tuesday, October 2nd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Sellen, joining me in studio today for Motley Fool Rule Breakers, the Lions, George, and for Million Dollar Portfolio, Charlie Travers. Guys, good to see you.
1: Hey, Chris. It's yeah, my wife's right
0: birthday, so let's wrap this up so I can actually go buy her go a Go buy a gift? Yeah, I got, I'm, I'm not a good husband. You're in trouble. i got to get on that. Uh, we're going to talk global brands, we're going to talk solar energy, but we're going to start with the Facebook. For the I believe f- it's just Facebook. Is it? One word, drop the the. Let me make a little note of that. Uh, For the first time since the IPO, Facebook Chief Operating Officer Sheryl Sandberg sat down for an exclusive interview with CNBC. She weighed in on a bunch of topics, including Facebook's mobile problem, their ability to narrowly target ads, as well as their new gifting program. Lyons, I'll start with you. This is a, a recommendation of the Rule Breaker service. What did you think? Uh, what stood out from her interview?
2: So yeah, not only a recommendation, to my mind, the consummate Rule Breaker uh, Facebook. So what stood out, first and foremost, how right on the company is with uh, the gifting program that they've started? I, I think of two things when I think about uh, birthdays on Facebook. One, um, birthdays, people are always going to love the whole birthday wall phenomenon on Facebook, because it's just great to have people see how many people care about you, right? And it's good to have everyone from your mom to your college ex-girlfriend writing happy birthday. And two, uh, people, when they give gifts, they like that to be like a public act, right? I mean, it's good. You don't just want to give a gift. You want people to see what kind of gift you're giving, right? I mean, that's the birthday party. Like, the big structure is everyone sits in the living room. The birthday boy or birthday girl sits there, and they say who the gift is from, you know, and then they open the thing. So, you know, being able to sort of do that over Facebook when logistically you can't all get together in a living room, that seems pretty sticky to me. Um,
1: so what kind of gifts are these on Facebook? Are these like Amazon gift cards or...
2: No, so, so right now it's physical gifts. They're working, they acquired this company, Karma, on the day of their IPO. Everyone was so pissed off about uh, what the shares were doing, they didn't even notice. But you can send, it, it's everything from, uh, you know, a shaving kit for your for your dapper father, or uh, cupcakes, you know, given to your little sister. So it's kind of a wide range of things. Although I do think, uh, to, to your point, they are going to move into sort of store credits and things like that. Because uh, from a logistical standpoint, it's a lot easier to do, you know. Charlie, what did you think? Uh, I'm glad
1: somebody's out here getting a positive view of Facebook out to the financial media. This company's been beaten (laughs) up ever since the IPO. I don't think the company has done that great a job of delivering their message and exactly what they can do as a public company. They're clearly feeling the heat. Um, This was a company run privately, all about building the member experience and getting a large user base uh, to the exclusion of profits. Um, That focus has to change as a public company. It's certainly influenced how they're running their business, and they're trying to get it out there exactly how they're going to increase their profits.
2: Now, see, I, I couldn't disagree more. I mean, if they come out in their in their initial filings, in their S1, they say, we're not going to focus on profit as a public company. We're going to continue with the original mission of expanding the user base, getting more people to use this more of the time. I mean, it's investor beware at that point. You know, I don't think at any point they've said, hey, we're going to be a monetization maniac. Um, you know, So I, I give them credit for all these new efforts they're coming out with. Uh, but but I don't think they're in any way obliged, uh, you know. to to have successful monetization schemes coming out every week keep the financial media happy. But their shareholders might disagree, though, right? But those
0: shareholders should have read the prospectus, you know? Oh, I agree with that, yeah. So right now, with the shares trading around 22, I mean, do do you think that that number is too high? You agree with Barron's, which had the cover story recently saying, you know what, fair value for this stock is 15. I mean, I always agree with Barron's just so
2: I can sound informed at a cocktail party. (laughs) You know, I think that's very important. Uh, I think 22 is, is still a... It's a bit high for the business as it stands right now, but if you're taking into account all the, I like to talk about like, you know, it's a David Gardner phrase, the the multiple futures this company has. If you're taking into account all the revenue streams we might not even know about yet uh, that could be coming into the picture, I don't think 22 is is a really hefty price tag, no.
0: The thing that, surprised, maybe not surprised, but the, the thing that really jumped out at me from the interview with Sandberg was when she talked about Facebook's ability to narrowly target ads and, and even putting it in percentage terms saying, uh, and she wasn't referring directly to Google, but it's, it's fair to extrapolate that you know she was referring to Google, that in terms of online, just general online targeting, you're basically going to get about a 35% chance you're going to hit the right person. Facebook is able to get that number up to 90%. So they can go to advertisers and say, oh, you want to target women from the age of 18 to 30? There's a 90% chance they're going to be able to do that. That to me, like the gifting program aside, that to me seems like over the next 12 months, the, the big opportunity for them. Uh, do, do you agree with that? And if not, because they're going to have earnings coming out, uh, I, I think it's either later this month or in November, what is the thing that investors should be watching when it comes to Facebook?
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. I think that's a very valuable uh, proposition they can offer to advertisers uh, to be that targeted and that effective. Uh, But it's a delicate balancing act to not ruin the user experience at the same time uh, and to make that all work for everybody.
2: I think one thing to pay attention to is they they recently announced they were going to charge brands to offer discounts On their Facebook page, when GM pulled out, you know they famously said, "Hey, this is all stuff that we could be doing for free on our page anyway." Well, now that stuff isn't free. You got to post up a little bit of money to offer a discount. Um, I I would encourage investors, anecdotally, if they own Facebook, if they have Facebook an account, or if their kids or their friends have an account, just ask people, "Hey, how many deals have you taken on Facebook recently? You know, how many how many deals have you seen your friends take? uh, You know, and how much does that bother you, or how valuable that is to you?" I think the more comfortable and uh and appreciative we become of you know the brands we 're seeing on Facebook, maybe the uh, the more indicative that is of a
0: successful business okay, we will keep an eye on that uh, london based consulting firm Interbrand has released its annual list of the best global brands coca cola came in at number one the same as last year, rounding out the top ten guys apple IBM google microsoft g e Mcdonald's, Intel, Samsung, and Toyota. There are a hundred brands on the list charlie i'll just start with you. What jumped out at you in terms of this list?
1: Uh, Coke, 13 straight years at the top, is very impressive. But as I go down through the rest of the top 10, uh, it's very tech-heavy. And, you know, when I think of the great brands of the world. Maybe I think about it a little bit differently than Interbrand did when they came up with their list. But I'm surprised that you see companies like Nike or a brand like Budweiser or Heinz nowhere near the top 20. Uh, We just talked about Facebook. Facebook is number 69. That's one of the stickiest websites in the world. Uh, And to have these kind of companies falling behind Intel and GE and IBM just doesn't really make intuitive sense for me, though I understand they're looking at financial measures as well.
0: Uh, I was going to say they, they lay out the methodology on their website. Uh, Lions to you know to Charlie's point of the uh, of the top five risers on this year's list. Four of them coming from the tech se- uh, sector: Apple, Amazon, Samsung, and Oracle. What did you think when you saw the list?
2: Yeah, it speaks pretty clearly to the increasing role of technology in the everyday consumer's life. You know, I mean something like uh, you know Samsung, right, which is the number one shipper of smartphones in the entire world. Uh, you got to imagine they're rising up on that list because more and more people are looking at Samsung as like their, you know, their their personal assistant, right? Anyone who, you know, we all have smartphones. The
0: more and more we use those, the more and more we trust those brands because we trust the device that the brand put in our pocket. One of the things I like about this list is it's not just public companies; it's mostly public companies, but it also has uh, divisions of public companies. So, uh, Pampers. Is on the list as its own brand. Johnny Walker uh, whiskey as as its own brand, uh, which Charlie, I think you and I are a little familiar, little familiar with. Some that. days
2: you trust it, some days you don't.
0: Right? <laughs> um, speaking of smartphones, Research in Motion dropped from number fifty six on last year's list to number ninety three to off the face of the earth. Yeah, yeah. clearly this is uh, this is a backward looking list. Um, to what extent do you guys factor? strength of brand into your investment analysis? Uh, it, it seems like the sort of thing that uh, is, is probably not anywhere in maybe the top five of factors when you're considering an investment. Uh, but where where is it uh, on your list when you're looking at uh, whether or not you're going to invest in a company?
1: Well, I, I think it might write, raise a little bit higher than that, Chris, and it's specifically depending on the type of company we're looking at, uh, because we're looking at future profits. And if a brand is on the downswing, like a Nokia or a Research in Motion, uh, you have to make a bet that they're going to be able to turn it around. And that's very hard to do to get consumers to make that switch. So I think I'd much rather have a brand on the upswing. Makes me feel a little bit better about their profit picture going forward.
2: What about your lines? So speaking specifically in the tech sector, uh, I rank brand uh, very high up there in terms of investment criteria, just because you're not just sort of Sitting in an ivory tower and tossing down a smartphone once or twice a year, whatever uh, you know, consumer electronic consumer electronics brand is doing is trying to create a sort of a community and an ecosystem. So you know, with phones, for example, it's not just the phone, but it's also the app developers um, and, and sort of the the user base. Um, and, you know, if you can't attract those people, if they get the idea that you're running sort of a lousy brand, um, it's going to have this vicious cycle effect. Um, so uh, I. I factor, Brandon, pretty significantly.
0: You can always email us. Radio at fool.com is our email address. Uh, Yesterday, we had an email about uh, alternative energy, specifically about wind power. Uh, Today, an email from Anil Nanda of Carlsbad, California. He writes, I recently read on Bloomberg... About how the share of solar energy is growing rapidly across the United States, I've had solar panels installed on my roof that supply 100% of my electricity needs. He also points out that his uh, his home has uh, over 3,200 square feet. Uh, I looked at companies that don't make the solar panels, but instead are providers of other equipment. I came up with SMA. One of the boxes installed in my garage is indeed made by SMA. Can you give me? Your thoughts on this company, uh, and he's referring to SMA Solar Technology. This is—we were talking, Charlie, beforehand. Um, uh, this is—this is not a U.S listed company, right? Because I, I, right. I didn't find it initially. It's a, it's an over-the-counter?
1: Uh, I, I looked at it. It looks like a German business, and you can get the ticker, or you can get the shares on the pink sheets here. I don't remember the ticker off the top of my head, but you can find it. Um, I, I did glance at their financials, and their revenue is soaring, but their profits look a little bit flat. And I would say any investor looking at a company like this in the solar space it's very competitive prices have been coming down is you want to make sure the business has some semblance of pricing power and the ability to keep profits coming in year after year.
0: Lyons, what do you think when you're whether you know broadening it from SMA when you're looking at solar energy companies what what are some things to be looking for?
2: So one thing to look out for is just be sure you know what trend you're investing in, and what forces are underlying that trend? So, uh, it is true uh, that solar has been gaining a fair amount of share in the United States, especially over the last quarter. What we're talking about there isn't the residential market, which by and large is falling off, but instead uh, like the the broad scale utilities market. So, uh, an interesting little factoid here is that uh, states like California, Arizona, Nevada have enacted legislation that pretty much obliges uh, the utilities companies. To have you know, thirty percent, twenty-five to thirty uh, percent of the grid uh, powered by alternative sources, you know, by by x year. Right. So what that's causing is uh, these, you know, these huge scale buildouts of, of solar utilities plants um, that aren't necessarily practical or cost efficient, uh, that that don't even efficiently convert and distribute, uh, and especially store. Storage is one of the, the toughest sort of issues with solar energy. Um, that aren't
0: that aren't as efficient as just traditional, um, you know, energy methods. I was going to say, uh, I think it was uh, Morgan Housel, our colleague on fool.com, who had written an article recently about presidential elections and the predictions that are made beforehand, like, oh, if this candidate gets elected, then this industry is going to do well. And if that candidate gets right. elected, the other way, you know. Buy and, your guns now, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and and looking back in 2008, the, the predictions, oh, if Senator Obama wins, alter, alternative energy is going to be huge. And in fact, you know, as Morgan points out, the worst performing stock over the last four years in the S&P 500 has been... First Solar. It uh it, you know it's been a solar energy company. So um it, although even
2: First Solar it off of this summer is up about 100% from where it was 3 months ago. Nice. Is
0: that is that legitimate or is that like the proverbial dead cat bounce? Uh you know at, at the risk of sounding grotesque it might be a dead cat bouncing. <laughs> <laughs> um is just one last thing on solar power. Um it seems like some sort of government support, whether it's state-based or or on a national level, it seems like that's incredibly crucial for for alternative energy. Is that the case? Like, is that sort of the thing to look for? Is that sort of the the not a red flag, but uh, whatever is the the positive version of a red flag? Is that the green light? If you see state governments coming out of the woodwork and really putting a big push behind solar power, is that an indicator that this is an industry worth investing in?
1: Well, you have to understand the terms, and Lyons mentioned some of the U.S. states, uh, but over in Europe as well, there were massive subsidies in Germany and Spain that have since fallen off for solar power, and it hurt those companies pretty badly. So if that's your thesis going in, understand that it can go away just as quickly as it was turned on, and just know what you're getting into.
0: If we see rapid adoption in the city of Seattle, Washington, is that is that as good you as You know it's here to stay. That's yeah, always a
2: strong signal.
0: Charlie Travers, Lions George, guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based only on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We will see you tomorrow.